Life is a mystery to be sure, but life in this world is a test. And as I see it, the test is this. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust God's promises? Or are we going to trust ourselves and the life that we are building for ourselves, the life we're creating for ourselves? God has given us life. No one checked a box or a survey to sign up for life. God decided that we would be born, that we would be given life. And the life that we have been given has free will and is full of many, many choices. As we reach adulthood, we finally become totally responsible for our choices and the choices that we make over and over again, daily, monthly, yearly, make up the actual life. It becomes our life. The good news is, is that God has done everything to open a path back to Him in order to enjoy communion with God's own life, eternal life, and to know and to love and to follow and trust Him. The good news is, is that that way has been totally open through Christ by His love and His grace and the choice to come back into communion with God, to leave that old life of choices that are characterized by things like survival, fear, confusion, misunderstanding, desire, power, pleasure, security, safety, prestige, and finally, ego, our life, the life that we're building for ourselves, we have to leave that life in order to come back to God. And that's what trust and faith is ultimately all about. And so the choice is to find life in God or to continue to hang on to our life, whether we will continue to find communion and life with God is based ultimately on our set of choices made over an entire lifetime. Well, Jesus, whether you know it or not, actually said these words before our gospel. It's a continuation of last week's gospel, and Jesus told us last week, don't think that I've come to the earth to bring peace, but rather to bring a sword. In fact, he says, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, the foes of one's own household will uh, be present. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Life is a test. Will we trust God and trust the promises of God, or will we trust ourselves? Will we trust in the life that we are creating for ourselves? I hope you were listening to one of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture, the story of the sacrifice or the offering of Isaac. In Hebrews,
Hebrew, it's called Adiga, the binding of Isaac. And it's a seminal, essential story throughout all of Scripture. It's a story that is, to modern people, abhorrent and it's confusing. But I think that if we can get past some of our assumptions, we can see something beautiful and deeper. First off, we have to know the story of Abraham. So if you don't know the story of Abraham, that would be a pretty good place to start uh, to understand the story. Abraham has been through an entire journey with God for many years before today's test. According to Jewish tradition, this is the tenth and final test for Abraham. Well, what is the story of Abraham? He was called by God. He heard the voice of God, and he trusted and obeyed the voice of God and left his own country and his own people to follow God to a land that he didn't even know about, didn't even know where it was. He also gave Melchizedek 10% of his entire wealth. He also believed that God, who promised him a child, even though they were past the age of bearing children, he and Sarah, he believed that God promised and would keep that promise of a child, of a progeny. Because of that faith and trust, it was counted as righteousness. He was set in a right relationship with God from that day forward. There was then the covenant between uh, Abraham and God for the possession of the land. God had promised and covenanted a land for Abraham. Then there was the covenant between Abraham and his offspring. This is this the continuation of the long relationship between Abraham and God. And the sign and the seal of this covenant was circumcision for Abraham and all those that would follow. Then there is the promise of the son given to Sarah, who is, of course, Isaac. Isaac, the son of the promise, is finally born. And Abraham and Sarah are basically 100 years old. And then finally, because of the obedience that Abraham gave to God, the trust and the obedience to his word, he offered Isaac. Of course, God provided the sacrifice the ram caught in the thicket was taken and sacrificed and offered. But in that trust and obedience of Abraham, in that trust and obedience of Abraham, uh, God was able to bless not only him with offspring, but offspring that would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. God was able to bless Abraham with the land and the possession, God was able to bless through Abraham all the nations of the world. Through Abraham and his trust and obedience, keeping the covenant with God, all the nations of the world would be able to bless themselves, the scripture says. This happens right after our passage ends, as a matter of fact. If you don't know the story of Abraham, you should certainly read it. And so this obedient offer, offering foreshadows the Paschal Lamb of the Passover. This obedient offering also foreshadows the 
significant uh, prophets and martyrs who were sacrificed for their obedience to God rather than following the ways of the people. It foreshadowed the final offering of the Lamb of God, Jesus, our Savior, who brought us into a new covenant. And then finally, this obedient offering foreshadows the living sacrifice of the body of Christ. That's me and you. We are called to be living sacrifices who have made the choice to trust and obey God and in God's promises. So the scripture says God tested Abraham because life is a test. Abraham had a clear choice. Would he obey God, obey God's word and God's command? Or would he find a way to rationalize things? Would he see in his own moral thoughts somehow that he had higher, more moral thoughts than even God himself? Would Abraham see that his situation was special and therefore God would need to uh, have some type of revision? No, he simply trusted based on all of his years and his journey with God. He trusted and obeyed in God and God's promise. Abraham's absolute and profound trust in God gave him the freedom to obey God. Let me say that again. Abraham's absolute and profound trust in God gave him the freedom to be able to obey God. The question for us this morning is how free are we really to obey God? Maybe we need to dig deeper into a more profound trust and faith to find more freedom. So Abraham's absolute and profound trust in God, in God's character, in God's word, and in God's promise. His absolute and profound trust and confidence in God gave Abraham the freedom to obey God under the most nonsensical of commands. Abraham's trust, of course, proved to be true, to be good, to be wonderful, because the Lord does truly provide. The Lord always provides for those who trust in Him. A promise is only as good as the one who can keep it. And God can, does, and will keep His promises. That's why we trust. And that's why we obey. Life is a test. Will we trust God and God's promises or will we trust in ourselves? And the life that we are seeking to create in ourselves. So another question for us in light of all this is, in what ways are you and I tempted to hang on to the life that we have? Or to hang on to the life that we want? Instead of letting go and doing what we already know God's will is for us. That's something worth pondering. As we transition to uh, very hopeful words from the Apostle Paul, 
Uh, I want to simplify what Paul was seeking to say. Paul is very wordy, and it's uh, easy to get lost in Paul. But Paul is reminding us that because we have died with Christ in holy baptism, there is a place inside of us that is now free from sin. And in fact, this new recreated part of us is placed into Christ, into God, into the Holy Spirit, into the kingdom of God. And in this sense, we are free from sin. However, Paul is reminding us that these bodies, which are destined for physical death, and this brain that has been programmed like a computer since birth to have its needs met as fast as possible and to seek safety and survival and pleasure, this brain that's programmed that our members, he says, still struggle with sin because sin is still present in these bodies and in these brains. And therefore, we have to constantly present ourselves to God as those who are dead to sin because there's a place in us that really is free from sin and placed into servanthood to God and God's righteousness. So we're called to from this new place of recreation to begin to live out of that, to begin to nurture this new place in our souls where we are connected to God and to Christ in the Spirit. We are called in prayer and worship and scripture and reflection and in giving and in service to begin to grow in this place so we can take these members of our bodies and this brain that is programmed to have satisfaction instantaneously, we have to begin to grow up and to learn to align these bodies and this brain of ours to do God's will. That is a part of the test. And we have to first of all believe that we have died with Christ in baptism and that there is a place in our hearts that we in fact are free of sin and placed into union with God. And then we have to begin by faith and obedience this long journey to begin to take these bodies and these brains and align them to do God's will. To actually do the will of God to be the righteousness of God. That is the hopeful thing that Paul reminds us. We have to trust it and believe it by faith. There again, the test is whether we're going to trust God and the promises of God or whether we're going to trust ourselves, our feelings, our thoughts, the life that we're creating for ourselves. It is at the center of this Christian life. Well, finally, uh, Paul would say to us at the end of his teaching in the book of Romans chapter 12, he would say, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, every morning 
we have choices. We have to choose whether we're going to pray or not, whether we're going to read scripture or not, whether we're going to have a time of silence or not. We have to choose to do that. It's interesting that many of us don't even think about the choice to watch television or to spend an hour online or to do some other thing. It just seems to happen. But we have to present ourselves to God and ask for God's presence and power to be in us to make those choices that will lead to transformation. And transformation leads to sanctification and sanctification leads to holiness and glorification. All of those things lead to eternal life. And Paul is urging us that we have to present ourselves and make those choices that lead to eternal life and not the choices that lead to death. Well, Jesus reminds his disciples in today's gospel that in fact, that as they trust in God, as they serve God, as they present themselves to God as servants of righteousness and as living sacrifices, that even the smallest gesture of care, even the smallest gesture of compassion and love will not lose its reward in the kingdom of God. As we align ourselves with God's will, as we present ourselves to God, as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, making the choice to trust God and God's promises and not ourselves and not some life we're creating with ourselves, we in fact will be rewarded with eternal life and with blessings. So my friends, in this very challenging time, in this time that seems very chaotic, in this time where we are very stressed, it is a time to turn to God. It is a time to repent. It is a time to present ourselves to God. It is a time to make those choices that we know we already should, but somehow we don't make them. It is a time to turn to God and to present ourselves and be encouraged in faith and prayer, in silence, in scripture, all the things that we've talked about for years. If we haven't done them yet, I'm telling you, it is time to do them simply because we don't know what the future holds. We need to get close to God, and we need to get close to God fast. So my friends, let us trust God. Let us trust in God's promises because the Lord truly does provide.